Man, what an exciting day already to, to see people who are freely submitting to baptism in response to, to Christ's love for us, right? His love that, that never fails us, that never lets us down. Uh, just a great time of, of worship this morning. Uh, if you're new here with us this morning, I just want to let you know that uh, um, we're, we're excited you're here. And, and we also just want to recognize that uh, each one of us has a story to tell. Each one of us has a story to tell, and so whatever your story is, whether this is the first time back in church for a long time, or uh, you're, you've been hurt by a church maybe, or, or maybe, maybe you've just got invited and you're not sure why you're here, um, we're, we're all here together in that. We're all a mess. We've, uh, we've been, we started last week a new series entitled Unlocking Freedom, Unlocking Freedom, and we're going through the book of Galatians, and we started in, in Galatians 1 last week, uh, just realizing that sometimes False freedoms sneak up in our lives. Things that seem like good things are actually trapping us and keeping us from the freedom that we have in Christ. And today we're going to be in Galatians 2. Galatians 2. And as we study that, I think we're going to find that courageous freedom, courageous freedom comes from brave simplicity. Comes from brave simplicity. So that's where we are. But uh, just to give you a little insight and picture into to my life this week and to show you just how big of a mess we are. I want to show you a picture of Caitlin and I's little kiddos. Um, maybe I wanted to show you that to you. It might come up eventually if Ben and Chris stop talking and go to the, the picture of my kids. <laughs> Give it up for Ben Henry on the computer, everybody. It's good stuff. Thank you for serving. All right, this is, my, this is a Caitlin, or Caitlin, that's Tinley and Preston, our four-year-old and two-year-old. Caitlin and I moved into a new home this week just down the street from our previous one. And of course, as we were moving in our stuff, Caitlin had to get her kitchen set up as well. And um, <clears throat> that's the only part of our house that looks anything normal. I don't know where most of my clothes are uh, and all that good stuff. And it actually, it actually led to uh, us having the cops called on us. So if you think you've got a crazy story, just know that the pastor who is preaching this week has had the cops called on him. Uh, two weeks ago during Labor Day weekend, we had made arrangements, Caitlin and I had, to, to get into our new home. We were going to make some measurements for curtains and, you know, all that stuff. And um, the owners were away, and, and so they, we'd made arrangements to just, they were going to leave the door unlocked, we're going to go in, we're going to do our stuff, and we're going to leave. And so Caitlin had some family in, and we showed up on Sunday afternoon of Labor Day weekend, and uh, when we did, um, little did we, we, we really didn't think about what are the neighbors going to think when this big group of people walks into this home that's, you know, for sale. And so here we are, Caitlin's got aunts and cousins, and of course her parents are there, and, my, and our kids, and Caitlin and I, and we all just come traipsing in, and our neighbor, our new neighbor, is watching as we explore this home. And then two of Caitlin's uh, teenage cousins, guys, uh, get into the backyard, and they're roughhousing with a baseball bat and a knife. And uh, <laughs> so she, uh, she made a quick decision, and that was a decision to call 911. <laughs> and so uh, here we are, uh, Eric and I, my father-in-law, we're measuring stuff inside the house. We have no clue what's going on. Everybody else has started heading back to, to Eric and Sherry's house. And as they're walking back, three cop cars pull up. And two of them get out. They're surrounding the house. One of them is on the dispatch radio, and... Caitlin and Cher are like, we're buying the house. It's okay. And he's like, guys, you can, you can relax now. <laughs> but meanwhile, Eric and I are inside, and we have no clue what's going on. So we walk out, and there's just cops standing at the door waiting on us. And uh, I walked over uh, to my new neighbor, and she says, I think I might have messed up. <laughs> 
You know, it's uh, on the bright side, I guess, we now know that our neighbors have an eye out for anything unusual going on in our neighborhood. We don't, we don't have to worry about anything bad going down without them knowing. So it's funny how um, I don't want to be spied on, right? I don't want people watching my every move. There's, there's some times in life where I'd like some privacy. But at the same time, I always hope that people have an eye out for me. I always hope that people have an eye out for me. And, um, you know, today as we, we get into Galatians 2, our text talks about some spies, it talks about some people who, um, who were spying something out, but these weren't good spies. These were, these were spies that wanted to steal the newfound freedom that the Galatian people had in Christ. Um, Paul had shared the, the, the simple good news of Jesus Christ with them. That Maybe you heard some of these folks who got baptized say that, that Jesus Christ saved them, that he had freed them by faith through grace when he died on the cross for them. It was a, a simple message. But some people, some false teachers, were hoping to spy that out, and, and they had come uh, armed with the Jewish laws, the Jewish laws that said you should be circumcised. Now, that was a, that's not a small thing, right? So, so Paul shares this simple good news, and, and in, in behind Paul comes these, these false teachers who say, well, you, you can't have just Jesus. You also have to, to be circumcised. Now, if I'm a guy in Galatia, I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared. I don't know what's going on. Paul comes and he's like, do you believe in Jesus, the, the, the free and simple gift of God's grace? And they're like, yes, we believe. And he's like, awesome. And then some guy come behind him and they're like, oh, yeah, Jesus and you've got to be circumcised. So <laughs> that's, can we just admit that would be crazy if that happened, right? That would be crazy. And so the Galatians are confused. They're, they're scared. They're wondering, what did I really get into when I said yes to this Jesus thing, to this faith journey? Uh, what else do I have to do to, to stay in God's good graces? And if you're like me, I think some of those same kinds of questions still haunt you at times. Now, hopefully nobody's coming around and telling you that you need to be circumcised to be a Christ follower. But maybe there's questions like, God, do I have to be baptized to be saved? God, do I, do I have to be a member of a church? God, how often do I need to, to attend church to, to make sure that I'm a Christian? Uh, what kind of good things do I need to do to, to outweigh the bad? And, and those maybe haunt us. What rules do I need to follow to, to be a part of the group or to consider myself to be a Christian? And whether we like it or not, maybe whether we realize it or not, our world is, is full of people who are spying out our freedom and trying to turn us into cowards. They're trying to turn us into cowards because as those questions come up in our mind, we're afraid that we're not doing this faith thing right. We're afraid that we're not doing it right and that, that something might not turn out well in the end. I've been guilty of, of maybe imposing the rules too much as opposed to understanding the freedom of Christ. Just this week, uh, Tinley, our four-year-old daughter, we were on the way to school. I say we. Uh, she was riding with Caitlin, and um, we learned that she had been being mean to one of the little girls in her class. And so Caitlin asked her, sweetie, why, why have you been mean to, to this little girl in your class? And Tinley, without a hesitation, hesitation she responded, Shh, Mom, we can't talk about that. God might hear us. And if God hears us, he might call the cops to come and get me. <laughs> and it's felt like we laugh, right? We laugh about the story. But then there was like this, this sinking moment where I realized that somehow, somehow in Tinley's little four-year-old brain, her impression of God was that when God found out about the bad things that she had done, he was going to call the cops to come and get her. Now, the other sad thing about that is, is I bet when we're really honest, when we strip away some of the, the outer stuff that we have, there's a little bit of that wondering inside of us. 
God, could you ever be big enough? Could your grace ever be big enough to cover over this wrong? Could you ever make new uh, this terrible thing that has happened in my life, this terrible thing that I've done? Or are you just going to call the cops on me? Now, Caitlin had an opportunity right there in that moment to share the, the simple good news of Christ, right? And she said, Timley, guess what? God hears everything already. He already knew, but even though he knew, he sent Jesus to die for you, and he loves you. He will always love you. And then I got to hear her tell Preston that, that God already knew all the bad things he did. <laughs> so it was awesome. But shame on me, right, for giving Tinley that impression that, that God is a God who, who's out to get you. I'd been subconsciously spying out her freedom. And, and that's the kind of picture that we see here in Galatians, too, of these people who had slipped in, we're going to read, and began to spy out the freedom of the Galatians by saying, oh, no, 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 it's Jesus and this. Read with me if you've got it pulled up in Galatians 2. It says, then after 14 years, I, being Paul, who wrote this, Paul went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because the false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. To them, we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Someone had slipped in, it says. It wasn't easy to tell that these folks had bad motives. They were probably friends. They were, they were people that, that were likable and nice, and they had slipped in to spy out the freedom that these folks had in Christ. They wiggled their way in there and then hit them with this huge left hook of, oh yeah, you also need to be circumcised. And now they're left confused and afraid that they were going to need to be circumcised. They were living in fear of being circumcised instead of in the freedom of knowing Christ. People will spy out your freedom and turn you into cowards. Maybe it looks like some of these things. We live in fear of the consequences of our past instead of in the freedom of a new life in Christ. We live in fear of, of never being able to overcome our weaknesses instead of living in the freedom of our God-given strengths and abilities. We live in fear of, of what our spouse will think or say about where we are, where we've been, instead of in the freedom of a strong and healthy marriage. We live in the fear of our child's actions, what they're going to do or what they're going to say or, or how they're going to act, instead of in the freedom of a loving home. We live in fear of being able to pay the bills instead of in the freedom of stewarding well what God has given us. We live in fear of running into that person that we've had a disagreement or a conflict or, or something hurtful. We, run in fear, we live in fear of that instead of in the freedom of forgiveness. People will spy out your freedom. Maybe people already are spying out your freedom, and they will turn us into cowards. But Paul is not going to let that happen to the Galatians, and Jesus does not want that to happen to you and I. He does not want people to spy out the freedom that we have. And Paul made sure that the Galatians understood the simplicity of the gospel by retelling his encounter with the church leaders in Jerusalem. It goes on in verse 6. It says, And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. They weren't going to add anything to the simple gospel that Paul was preaching. On the contrary, he says, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised, 
worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to them, to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. You see, Paul's plea in this passage to the Galatian people, to the leaders of the early church in Jerusalem, and to all who would read this passage for the generations to come, all he was pleading and asking for us to do is to keep the gospel of Jesus really simple. Just keep it simple. He's saying, look, guys, whether you're circumcised or whether you're not, Jesus died for you. Recognize this. He's working in your ministry to the, to the circumcised, and he's working in my ministry to the uncircumcised. I mean, look at this guy, Titus, right? He brings Titus as a proof case. He says, Titus isn't circumcised, but you can see the Holy Spirit working in his life. Look, here's the pillars of the church, as you would call them, and they are agreeing that this simple gospel is the same gospel, that Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose, and Jesus is alive today. And all that so that you can be free through faith in him. Paul's courageous freedom came from the brave simplicity of the gospel. Now, unlocking your freedom in Christ comes from keeping the gospel of Jesus simple just the same. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus uh, something. It's Jesus plus nothing. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. I love what John 8 uh, verse 36 says. It says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If Jesus sets you free, you will be free indeed. Maybe today you've, you've never been set free by Jesus Christ. Maybe today you come in here and you feel the weight of the world. You feel the weight of the, of the grind of your sin. And, and you know, we're gonna, it's going to happen because we live in a fallen world. But the Bible reminds us that a greater force than the weight of that sin is at work around us. We read about that in Romans 5, verse 20 and 21. It says, Now the law came to increase the trespass. As we, as we experience laws, we experience rules, we're going to know more about what we're doing wrong. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That means as we walk and as we journey, as we live in this fallen world, we're going we're gonna to experience more sin and more, more pain and more, more struggle. But as we do, we're also going to learn more and more and more about God's abounding grace. Grace will always be greater than sin. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the kind of freedom that gives you the courage to live a different life. A courageous freedom that comes from, from brave simplicity. As we encounter this passage, that's, that's what God wants us to know and to think about and to, to apply in our lives. That, that our courageous freedom, the ability to, to have courage in who we are in Christ, to be free in Him, comes from keeping the gospel of Jesus really simple. I was reminded of a quote this week by uh, Elmer Davis. Elmer Davis was a news anchor uh, during the time of World War II. And he had a little five-minute radio clip that he, would, that he would do, and many of those things were kept uh, in a book. And he says this, This will remain the land of the free only so long as it is the home of the brave. This will remain the land of the free only so long as it is the home of the brave. I feel like this is the heart of the passage for Paul, right? That we will be free as long as we are brave in our faith in Christ. That we are, we are bold and brave about the simplicity of the gospel. I've watched the news this week and uh, would guess many of you have as um, 
other athletes have begun to join Colin Kaepernick in um, his peaceful protests during the national anthem. In Colin Kaepernick's words, he says this, our country is about freedom, liberty, and justice for all. And it's not happening for all right now. Now, you may agree or disagree um, with his actions. Uh, you may agree or disagree with his motives. You may agree or disagree with what he's protesting. But one thing that I think we could all say is that there's something to be said for his courage. Here's a guy who is, is kneeling in protest during a long-held and important American tradition, right? This is something that's it's, it's, it's crucial. It's in there. It's part of who we are. And he's doing it because of his convictions. And for him, that conviction is simple, that there is not liberty and there is not justice for all, for everyone. He's exercising some courageous freedom because of brave simplicity. Paul felt that way about anything that was going to distort our freedom in Christ. What would it look like if, if our faith in Christ was, was so simple that if we just believe the simple gospel that Jesus died for us and that he's alive and that he wanted us to be on mission with him, what if we just believe that simple gospel and we applied it so, so strongly to our lives that, that we could have the kind of courageous freedom that he has in this moment, right, wrong, or indifferent? How would your day change if you began to live your faith the way that Colin Kaepernick is living out his convictions in this moment? When Jesus came, he said this life is simple. It all boils down to two things, love God and love people. Everything else hangs on these two. So when you will be brave enough to let your faith in Jesus drive you to those two things, just to become the best lover of God that you can and to become the best lover of people that you can in every moment of every day, you will unlock a courageous freedom that results in you sharing your faith and results in you finding uh, purpose and, and finding happiness through obedience to the one who made you. You see, God made you, and he made you for a purpose. He made you to love God and to love people. And so the further that we press into that, the, the more like him you're going to be and, and the more fulfilled and the more free you're going to be. Ever since Paul's time, there have been enemies of grace, right? Enemies of grace that have been trying to add something to the simple gospel of the grace of God. They tell us that, that a person is saved by faith in Christ plus something. Uh, plus good works, plus the Ten Commandments, plus baptism, plus church membership, plus religious ritual. And, and Paul makes it clear that, that these teachers are wrong. They're just wrong. It's Jesus plus nothing. So then, you ask, why do those things exist? Why do we baptize people if it's Jesus plus nothing? And, and what, are, what are you supposed to do? What's your action? What are you going to leave here doing with this knowledge that courageous freedom comes from brave simplicity? Well, those things exist to guide us towards that freedom. And when we submit to them, they open up new doors of opportunity to us. You see, the solution to, to simplicity is submission. And you're like, submit? Wait, what? We're talking about being free. Why, why, would, why would we submit as a solution to finding our freedom? The key is to submit for love and not for subjection. 
Submit for love and not for subjection. Here's what I mean by that. We see in this passage, right, Paul is, is unwilling to submit to these, to these false teachers that want these guys to be circumcised. He doesn't want the Galatians to submit to that either because these false brothers just wanted them to follow their rules. That was their thing. They just wanted to be in control, right? How many things in our world do we want to be just in control of? We want people to be subject to us or someone wants you to be subject to them. But the kind of submission that leads to freedom is the kind that's driven by love. And I want you to notice all of the other submission that is going on in in Galatians 2, 1 through 10. First, we think about Paul. Paul comes back and he's speaking to to these early church leaders. And he says, I came back because I wanted to make sure that I was not running in vain. Paul didn't have to do that. Paul was free in Christ. But he chose to submit himself to the, to the spiritual leadership of the fathers of the early church. He came back and he said, hey, I want to make sure this is the gospel that I'm preaching. Is this still, am I, am I right? Am I okay? Is this right? And they affirmed him in it. And then we think about Titus, right? Titus is this guy who came with Paul. And I want you to put yourself in Titus's shoes for a minute. We, we can't jump over Titus in this passage. Because here's the thing. Paul asked this guy to come along as the proof case that God is working in people who have not been circumcised. Hey, Titus, I'm going down there to prove to them that God's working in people's lives who aren't circumcised. You want to come with me since you're not circumcised? If I'm Titus, you know what alarm is going off in my head? What happens if we get down there and they're like, nope, that's not true. You got to be circumcised, buddy. That's a scary thing. And Titus chose to submit to to the spiritual leadership of Paul and to these early church leaders. And he said, you know what, here's the thing. I'm going to submit to that out of love, out of love for God and love for these people that I'm journeying with. James and Peter and John, these influential men, guys who had a reputation to protect, guys who had stood as a symbol of of their faith and, and who had protected the law of circumcision, right? And yet they submit to Paul's leadership among the Gentiles because of the evidence of God working. You see, submission, when it's driven by love, fuels simplicity. Submission fuels simplicity. When we will submit ourselves to things out of love for God and love for others, it leads to simplicity in our lives. When I, sit my, when I submit myself to using a calendar to schedule my time, I almost always find that I have more time available to me than I thought, right? When I submit myself to, to maybe a budget, I find that I've got more money to spend than what I thought. Submission fuels simplicity. And because these different leaders were willing to submit to one another, the gospel ministry that they were called to remained simple. It wasn't about circumcision. It wasn't about anything but the gospel. Loving God, loving people, introducing them to the good news of Jesus. Submission kept it simple. Paul says it this way. Uh, his philosophy and ministry was very much like this. He, he talked about it in 1 Corinthians 9.19. He said, Though I am free, I am free in Christ, and I belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. He submitted himself for the simple gospel and the mission that comes with it. Submit for love and not for subjection. And so the question that that I hope each of you will wrestle with today is what, or maybe who, will you submit to so that you can unlock the freedom of living this simple faith? What or who will you submit to so that you can unlock the freedom of living the simple faith? Maybe you can't seem to shake the the shackles of your past. And and I would humbly ask you this question. Have you fully submitted your life to Christ? Or have you given him just the parts that you want? 
Are you like the Galatians, maybe? Maybe you believe, but something has slipped in and spied out your freedom. Maybe, maybe it's your marriage that's spying out your freedom right now. It's struggling. And perhaps instead of trying to break away from, from your spouse for some free time or some alone time, you should submit yourself to, to maybe counseling or, or at the very least a regular date night or a point in time where you can communicate expectations. There's freedom that comes when you know what you can expect from your spouse in terms of their schedule or, or how they're going to communicate with members of the opposite sex or, or how you're going to spend your money. And so I ask you, what do you need to do this week to let your spouse know that you're submitted to them in love? Maybe parenting is a trap for you right now. It is enslaving you. Submit yourself to a more consistent discipline immediately. I'm preaching to myself now. I was always challenged by John Bennett, who talked a lot about reality discipline. And if he would watch me parent, he would always challenge me. He'd be like, nope, no counting. No threats. No threats that you can't follow through on. You just need to move to the discipline, the punishment, as quickly as you can so that they know why you're punishing them. What practice can you submit to this week so that you can love your children better? It's no secret, right, that financially having a budget can, that, that helps you decide what to do with your money before you get it is, is a step. It's a recipe for getting out of debt and stopping the cycle of, of living paycheck to paycheck. Submitting to that process of learning how to do that and then, and then actually doing it is a key that unlocks financial freedom. Maybe today, um, maybe today you feel enslaved or trapped by your church experience. Maybe here, maybe elsewhere, I don't know. You know, the church is the body of Christ. But the church is full of imperfect people. It's imperfect people on mission together for the one who made them perfect. And if we as sinners are going to be able to, to move forward together, we have to submit to one another to keep it simple. We have to be willing to submit to one another. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. In unity. And that simple unity is why we practice covenant membership at Christ Community Church. That covenant is a statement of submission to one another. That we don't want these other things to cut in on this simple mission to love God and to love people. There's a freedom that comes with that, right? A freedom that comes with knowing that this is what we believe and this is how we're going to live out that simple mission. We don't expect Christ community to be for everyone, right? We understand that. Uh, that's why there's multiple church families in Shelby County, um, really good ones. But for those who do submit to it, there's simplicity, and that simplicity leads to freedom. Maybe even still there's, there's a specific someone who is stealing your freedom, who's spying it out. You've had a conflict with them. Maybe you've had a major disagreement in your past. You're holding a grudge. You have an unresolved conversation that's hanging out there. And those things enslave us, right? They haunt us. They linger in our minds. And I would just ask you, would you, would you set yourself free by submitting yourself to that person through forgiveness? You may not even have to go to that person and, and forgive them. It may just be something that you and, and God need to talk about. And that you need to seek forgiveness and what forgiveness looks like in that relationship. Courageous freedom comes from the simplicity of the gospel. And submission, submission fuels simplicity. As the band comes today, I want to I close with one story about Jesus. One story that I think... Um, might relate to where many of us are in our walk with him. You know, Jesus came to this earth. He, had, he was killed on a cross. Three days later, he rose again. And after he had risen, 
Um, he was, he was, he, I don't know what he was doing. He, he chose to submit himself to, to coming back to this earth. You know, he could have just went to heaven, but he came back and, and he was here. And while he was here, there were these two believers, these two people who had once believed in Jesus, that were walking on this road to Emmaus. It was a seven-mile walk. And for whatever reason, Jesus decided to to submit to that seven-mile walk. He joined these these two believers on a seven-mile walk. And as they were talking about all that had happened with Jesus... Scripture says that they didn't even recognize that it was Jesus who was walking with them. You know, maybe today that's you. For whatever reason, there's, there's something that's enslaving you, that's trapped you, that's kept you from recognizing God working in your life for one reason or another. You just don't see him. You may be able to see him in other people's lives. You may be able to see him working uh, in our community and in our world. But you, for whatever reason, you feel like you're on this seven-mile journey, this forever journey, and you don't see God walking with you. That was a situation these two people found themselves in. And they're walking, and, and Jesus is asking them more and more about who Jesus was. And they're telling him about how he'd been, been committed been convicted and sent to the cross. They begin to doubt. They're unsure about who Jesus is. And at that moment of crisis, Jesus begins to explain to them from Scripture how everything was was fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament, affirming that Jesus really was who he said he was. And all the while, they have no idea that they're talking to Jesus. Even though, even though they had the knowledge of who Jesus was, even though they knew the simple gospel, they still couldn't see that Jesus was walking with them. And as they get close to Emmaus, their destination, they invite him to stay. And they go into their house, and it says that Jesus sat down at the table with them. They still don't know who it is. He sat down at the table with them, and they begin to eat. Jesus breaks the bread and he begins to share it with them. It says in that moment, their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened because they remembered what Jesus had said. That when they broke bread together, they would do that in remembrance of him. And it came flooding back in that moment. They remembered that Jesus said this is what they would do to remember him, that they would break bread they would remember that Christ's body was broken for them, that his blood was shed for them. It was really simple. He had died for them because he loved them. That was it. Their eyes were open. They saw Jesus. You know, Jesus wants you to be free. Jesus wants you to see him for who he is. Would you submit your heart and your mind and your soul and love to him? If so, we just want to ask you to respond in a couple of ways today. Maybe today you've believed and followed Jesus in baptism and someone has snuck in on you and stole that freedom, just like we read about in Galatians 2. And I would ask that today you remember the freedom that you have in Christ by joining us and taking a piece of this bread that represents his body, dipping it in the juice that represents his blood. Remembering that if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. But maybe today you're not sure that you've ever submitted your life fully to Jesus. You know the truth of Jesus in your head, but you've never believed it in your heart. 
You know what Jesus did for you, but you've never believed it in your heart. Would you come? Would you have a conversation in one of the corners, back corners with a prayer team or myself? We want to help you start that relationship with him so that you can unlock the freedom that he has for your life. Courageous freedom comes from the brave simplicity of the gospel. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And he's coming again to take those who believe in him with him. Wes.